The narrative of Jesus' birth, which we just had read for us, I believe is the encapsulation of Jesus' whole ministry. Jesus comes down to meet John, John who's been baptizing people in repentance, uh, saying, come and repent, be cleansed, be baptized in preparation for the day of judgment. And if you, read, if you read further on into Matthew, John gets a little confused when he finds himself in jail uh, waiting for that day of judgment to occur and uh, sends word to Jesus, wait a minute, what happened to the big day of judgment that I was expecting? And Jesus sends back word, well, the, he, the, you know, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear. I am the one whom you were talking about, but that day of judgment is not happening in the way you expected. But John did a baptism of repentance, uh, and Jesus comes down to be baptized by John. And you can understand why this confuses John a little bit. Uh, what do you got to repent from, Jesus? Uh, you're the one, you're the anointed one who uh, we were expecting to come. We've been waiting. Uh, you should be baptizing me, don't you think? But Jesus says, I have come here to fulfill all righteousness. Uh, which I think is, is an interesting comment. Righteousness is a big theme in, in the Bible. And I'm sure that when you and I hear this, uh, at least for me, I hear that word and I, I feel, oh, righteousness. Do I have to be righteous? I mean, do I have to, the weight of it all, right? It's this big heavy word. And I don't feel righteous half the time. I mean, sometimes I speak with a lot of righteousness, and uh, <laughs> like, uh, like I know, but that's merely a posturing as much as anything. Uh, but we hear this and we think righteousness is about purity. It's about, it's about doing the right things or being, you know, saint-like uh, to be righteous. But really what this word is about, it's about being in right relationship with God. It's about being in right relationship with other people. It's about all things being right. And what Jesus is saying here, I've come to fulfill all righteousness. Is a, he's saying I've come to, f- to fix things. I've come to set it right. I've come to, to bring about that right relationship that we've been talking about for centuries. It's about that. And so, uh, I, like Jerry said to the, to the children, Jesus comes to be obedient to God, to bring about this right relationship. And this story talks to us about that right relationship. Here we have Jesus, the Son, going Uh, in obedience to the Father, to the water. And what happens when he comes up out of the water? But a dove descends as the the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove. So here we have, I don't want to get off on the Trinity, but here we have all the, the parts of the Trinity all there at once. So clearly, Matthew is trying to say something very significant here in this short little narrative about Jesus' baptism. And this business of the dove, you know, the, the, uh, the dove has been used as, for symbols of a lot of things and lends itself to a lot of things. And I could get into why I, why I think it's about this, but um, I won't. Uh, <laughs> the dove 
Here, I believe what the, the message Matthew is trying to convey points to the dove as the symbol of the creative powers of God. Uh, the dove in, in ancient Hebrew literature and symbolism often is, is representative of that, that spirit in Genesis that hovers over, the, the, that is, we're said is brooding over the waters as God begins to create the universe, right? So you have this brooding spirit that is full of that creative power, that power to bring order out of chaos, that power to bring all things together, to unify things. Uh, This is the Holy Spirit that is represented by the dove, that brooding, you know, how Doves brood as well. And so the dove makes this symbol of the creative power of God to bring unity where there is discord, to bring all things again into right relationship, to bring all things into rightness and righteousness. And then the voice of God comes from heaven. It's a dramatic scene, really. The heaven splits open and the the voice of God comes and what does God say? This is the this is the part that that stuck in my craw as I was preparing for this sermon. In fact, you're hearing about the fourth version of this sermon today because of this thing. What comes from the voice of God? Not not judgment like John was expecting. Not proclamations about uh, the coming Armageddon. Not uh, condemnation like we heard in the Old Testament prophets. But what do we hear? This is my son, the beloved, in whom I am well pleased. What a remarkable thing for God to share in this moment, to begin Jesus' ministry. It's only after this declaration that Jesus is able to face down the devil in the very next verses. It's only after this affirmation that Jesus goes forth and heals the lame and gives sight to the blind and opens the ears of the deaf to hear. It's only when the Spirit of God opens up Jesus to hear what God is saying that Jesus has the strength to face down the powers and the principalities and walk to the cross. How can Jesus be so brave? Because he knows he is a beloved son of God. I believe this same message is what comes to you and me through Christ. John tells us that through Christ we also are brought into the family of God. And we also are sons and daughters of the Most High God, the creator of the universe. What an incredible affirmation of who we are. You and me, with all your quirks, all your eccentricities, all your weird things, all those things about you that someone has said is wrong and not right, to that to you, to who you are, God says, you are my child, my beloved. In you I am well pleased.
That's the message I hear in this text today. It is significant because, quite frankly, we live in a broken world. In all of our brokenness, God says this to us. We live in the midst of brokenness. And in some ways, that's probably good because, uh, you know, often our pride gets in the way of hearing the voice of God say, listen, you know, I'm pleased with you and I love you. Sometimes we love ourselves so much we have a hard time hearing about God's love for us. (laughs) But that really isn't our struggle, is it? Pride. Quite frankly, as I talk to folks in this city, as I talk to people even in this congregation, and I come across folks in my life, it's not pride that gets in the way. It's our brokenness. It's our pain. It's our despair and sorrow. It's our feeling of inadequacy, our feeling of not being good enough. It's all of those hurts and those harms that have been done to us. And it's all of the harm and the pain we've caused to others that prevents us from hearing God's clear, clean voice come from heaven saying, You are my beloved in whom I am well pleased. What an incredible thing to receive from from God, from the God, from the creator of all things. I watched, I recently re-watched um, uh, the, that Matt Damon film, doggone it, now I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> But goodwill hunting, that's it. And this young man, he's a genius, comes from a, an awful background, an awful upbringing. And there's this breakthrough scene where, uh, where Williams, now I can't remember his name either, Robin Williams, is, who's his therapist, is talking with him. And they're sharing this story about, you know, about coming from abusive backgrounds. And at one point, Robin Williams just starts saying to Matt Damon, it's not your fault. And Matt Damon's like, yeah, yeah, I know. But he just keeps repeating it. No, no, it's not your fault. The things that happen to you, they're not your fault. It's not your fault. And he just keeps repeating it. And Matt Damon starts to get uncomfortable and squirms a little bit. It's not your fault. The things that have been done to you, they're not your fault. You're not hideous. You're not ugly. You're not to blame. You're not unworthy. It's not your fault. Over and over until Matt Damon is just sobbing and they're clinging to one another. What an incredible thing redemption is. What an incredible thing it is to have that absolution. God, through this narrative today, longing to give that same absolution to you and me. The things that have happened to us, 
that have brought us into this brokenness. And I'm not talking about original sin. I'm talking about, we don't have to go back that far to know that there is brokenness within this society, within ourselves. Things that happen to us are not our fault. And the things we've done, there is forgiveness and grace. Because, quite frankly, without the blessing of being a beloved child of God, those things become a curse. They become a weight that drag us to the bottom, that drag us to a point where we cannot be the people we were created to be. What Jesus represents is God reaching out and saying, I want you to see yourself the way I see you. I want you to see yourself as the beautiful, wonderful creation that I made you to be. And I know things have happened to you. And I know that you've done some things. (laughs) But that isn't who you are. They're always there, but that isn't who you are. Who you are is a beloved child of God. I listened to, I meant to, I didn't ask my wife if I could do this, but so I'm going to do it anyway. But the other night I listened to her recount to a friend the abuse she grew up in. And she hadn't told that story for a while. I, I haven't heard it for a while. But she was sharing with someone Um, the abuse she went through as a child. And it's it's hard to listen to. It's hard to hear. Uh, And it's hard to imagine because she's such an incredibly strong, beautiful, normal (laughs) person today. And you kind of wonder, how do you do that? How do you come through that like that? You come through it, I believe, by seeing yourself not as the sum of those things that were done to you or even the things you've done, but to see yourself as a beloved child of God, one whom God loves, who, who God cherishes, One whom God wants to have a relationship with, a deep and meaningful relationship with. A child who can be, who has everything within them to be the person they want to be, God wants them to be, to bring about wholeness in the midst of brokenness. I'll tell you what, once you grab onto that identity and hang on to it, nobody can make you feel worthless. Nobody can make you feel less. The king of the universe loves me (laughs) and loves you. So much so that he was willing to come 
share himself with us through Christ, God's self, and even go to the cross to get this message out to us that there is nothing God won't do to express God's love to you. Not death, not even resurrection. is is too much for God to take on to show you that you are a beloved child of God. Let us pray. Gracious God, we pray for the wisdom and the strength and the ability to hear your voice come to us as it did to Jesus in this baptism We long to hear you say to us, this is my child, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Help us to experience, to embrace, and to hold this identity as primary, even in our brokenness and in this broken world. We ask all of this in the precious and powerful name of Christ. Amen.